everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Vivian DeWaskin, the Chief Commercial Officer of Neurolite. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm excited to have you on. We were just, for the audience, because they did not see what just went on in the last 10 minutes, the energy, Vivian, we're going to get her on as a guest. This The, the vibe is great. <laughs> so I'm really excited for this episode, Vivian. Let's just dive right in. Tell the audience about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everybody. Vivian DeWaskin. I am based out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I live in Oakland. Um, as Jared mentioned, I'm the chief commercial officer of Neurolite. Uh, we're a digital biomarker company focused on neurology, and I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about that in our conversation today. Um, I joined the company to help bring them from the clinical stage to the commercial stage earlier this year. Uh, by way of background, I've worked in healthcare my entire career. Uh, most recently, I was the head of strategy at Komodo Health, and before that, I spent about a decade in life sciences strategy consulting. Um, being at Neurolite brings me back to some of my roots in neuroscience. I actually studied cognitive and computational neuroscience at Princeton University as an undergrad, um, partly inspired by my grandmother's experience with Alzheimer's disease. And so it's really great to be able to be back working in the neurospace and trying to make outcomes better for patients uh, the world over. Love it. Super, super great story. I love the personal touch too. Definitely makes uh, you know coming into work every day that much more important when you have that that Absolutely. driver as well. Um, yeah. And what a company to, to come from too. Komodo, we we did a short interview at uh, Health last year with uh, Webson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, and anyone that does in-person interviews with me will know I make you, uh, people do some goofy acting. So I made him like kick open the door and then answer I bet he the was question. up for it. Oh, he was. I didn't even have yeah. to sell him on it. He was just like, let's do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's really cool. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. I'm, I want to get more into the, the challenges of, of why it's so difficult to take a company from the clinical stage to the commercial stage in a second. But I would love for you to, to, to just, let's assume someone hasn't heard of Neurolite. Yeah. Give them the, give us the pitch, give us that overview. Okay. So if you haven't heard of Neurolite, I might assume you also haven't heard of digital biomarkers, or maybe you've heard that word, but you don't know what it means. Um, so I'll start there. In our space in, in uh, particularly clinical development, uh, but also clinical care, um, there's this concept of digital biomarkers. And it's often applied as an umbrella term that can mean a lot of different things. But in a nutshell, it's often a way of digitally or electronically measuring something that um, matters to a patient's health. Right? Like it's really, really nutshell. There's a whole bunch of different categories within it. Um, but Overall, the field of digital biomarkers is based on the idea that there are things that we can record from the devices that are all around us today or from specialized technology that's been developed in the last several decades that can give us much more objective, quantitative, and precise measures of what's going on with an individual's overall health. Um, so it might be a complement to things that you can get from, say, blood testing or an MRI, but it might actually be bringing something totally new that you can't observe without the benefit of digital technology. So here comes Neurolite. We are one of these, quote, digital biomarker companies, and we're focused on neurology. Um, and I'll say two things about, uh, about Neurolite to start off. One, I always tell people to think of us as a biomarker company first and digital second, and I'll explain why in a minute. And the second thing I'll say is that in neurology in particular, there is a huge unmet need for more 
precise medicine. There's a need for more precise biomarkers to being able to diagnose patients earlier, to being able to subtype patients, to being able to better and quantitatively monitor patients as their disease progresses or to monitor the effect of therapies. And neurology in particular has just been this like intractable problem with this regard for many years. And I think the advent of digital biomarkers and digital technology combined with new science is going to bring about a revolution in the way that we diagnose and treat and develop new therapeutic interventions for uh, patients with neurological disorders. And here at Neuralite, our specific kind of slice of the digital, ah, you see what I did there, um, slice of the digital biomarker landscape is that we use one specific modality, which is we call oculometrics, which is essentially eye tracking. It turns out, you might not know this, there's a lot of information about what's happening in your brain that can be gleaned from small changes in eye movement and function. Um, and we use that in a way that's recorded via a webcam, like what you and I are using right now, to do things like monitor patients' disease progression, to look for predictors of response to therapy, um, to uh, be able to better subtype patients so you can have a better understanding of the prognosis um, and hopefully also to identify patients earlier in the course of disease when disease modifying treatments can really make a difference. Um, so I'm happy to dig into any and all of that, but that's a bit about digital biomarkers and how Neuralite fits into it. No, thank you so much for, for the overview of, of both. Uh, I know our audience will appreciate that. And, and I'm sure I, I just always do that, whether everyone in our audience has heard about you or not, because yeah. the, the, my favorite type of relationships are maybe the people listening that haven't heard of you and now have heard of you, right? Um, yeah. So let, let's go back to one of the previ previous prompts that, I, uh, that you alluded to and then I, um, I wanted to hit upon. Why is it so difficult to take companies from clinical to commercial? This is your wheelhouse. And you know, any, anything that you can share uh, don't give us the you know the secret sauce. That's that's yours. But um, I, I know our audience would appreciate that. Yeah, I've done this in a few different contexts. Uh, back when I was a consultant, one of the things that I specialized in in the decade that I worked um, at my my old uh, company, Trinity Life Sciences, was in launch planning, and that meant working, especially with a lot of small biotech companies, to take them to through their first commercial launch, their first FDA approval, and there's some commonalities like it's there are challenges a lot of them are known challenges especially in the biotech and pharma space we know that you have to hire a commercial team that you have to bring a lot of people up to speed on um you know, on the science on the clinical data you have to be somebody as a commercial individual who can speak to science and really deeply understand things about the mechanism of action of your therapeutic or your intervention or your diagnostic, who can think smartly about how that's going to be applied in the context of a very complicated U.S. or global healthcare system. Um, so while in the biotech space, I would actually say there, there's a playbook. Right? We, there, there are these challenges. You're working with a team of people who've spent years at the bench, right? working with patients, a group of scientists, Right, who might not be the same people that are going to commercialize it. So you kind of have to change the whole nature of the company, in a sense, and become a new one. Right? It's just this evolution that has to happen. But there's a playbook. Now, I think the digital health space where I work is maybe even a little bit harder than that um, because there's less of a playbook. There are fewer of us that have been around um, for as many years as traditional biotech or pharma has. Um, and we've seen a lot of companies 
succeed in the space. We've seen some stumbles. Um, and I think there's an added element of um, the tech side that comes in when you're working in digital health or health technology on top of the typical kind of clinical to commercial transition. Um, that means you have to spend you know, a lot more time thinking carefully and being really smart about your go-to-market strategies and about making sure you understand how the technology you're bringing to market is going to fit into the healthcare system, into clinical care, or is going to meet the needs of your target customers. And what's cool and challenging at the same time about health tech is you have a little bit more flexibility than traditional biotech or pharma to influence the product with knowledge of the market and the approach you're going to take in going to market. Um, you can't really change the molecule once the molecule, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but to a certain extent, right, you've got this molecule, let's say you're developing for a drug and you're going to work with what the clinical data says about that drug. But in health tech, sometimes you have the chance to change the product, right, based on market feedback. Um, so it creates this added layer um, of dynamism, I think, in bringing a uh, digital um, health technology from clinical to commercial stage. You know, I had a conversation earlier with someone on the oncology side, and they were talking about how, you know, biopharma and health tech and digital health, like they all need to continue to work together much mm -hmm. better. And you've kind of been on the different sides of that. Like, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, you know, maybe how they can work better together or why in some cases all part like th that's part of the reason we made it slice of healthcare and we kind of put all the biopharma and everything underneath one vertical is we're like eventually all these people's paths should cross right whether yeah. you're in biopharma or you know health tech right i mean i th i think that's the future i think that you're right about that um all of these areas are are already in the process of converging and they're just going to keep converging and i think um there's going to be a need for um, people who've, who've had direct experience on each of these like, uh, pieces, uh, of the puzzle. Um, I guess one of the reasons I actually joined the Neuralite team is because I saw this, like a signal of this working well in Neuralite and it's what prompted me to join. And it's that as a digital health company, you're, you're clearly developing a technology solution where we have, we have, we build software, um, but what I saw was a company that had taken the lead of uh, longtime biopharma veterans in understanding how to do clinical development. And they'd built this really rigorous scientific program um, that was going to be essential for validating the technology. And I saw them starting from that foundation of like really, really excellent science and really excellent evidence. And I was just so impressed because I think sometimes you can get really excited by the speed at which we can move in tech um, only to then run into a wall when you get to regulators or you get to clinicians or you get to payers and you then you got to go back and like generate evidence. Um, and so I was particularly excited to see that at Neuralite really started from this almost like biotech sort of attitude of we're going to run our own clinical validation studies and they're going to be really well designed and you're not going to be able to question the level of evidence and the, the rigor that we put into it before we try and take this to a clinic and, or to people's iPhones and start kind of letting it loose in the wild, if you will. Um, and so I think that there's, but at the same time, um, my job in the company is to bridge those two worlds, is to say, I'm somebody who understands what a truly like tech product that's not 
um, a medical product looks like. See my experience at Komodo, right? Um, but I also understand where the folks in, from the biotech side are coming. And I sit in between the really like tech oriented folks in the company and the really biotech um, pharma sort of side of the company. And I help make them talk to each other in a way that everybody can understand. And I think we need more people that can do that, first of all. And I think we need um, either side of that aisle sort of needs to recognize that they don't always know the vocabulary of the other side and that they might not be communicating as effectively as maybe they think they are. And 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 even just ha starting to have that knowledge that you, you don't know everything the other side does, but you can learn from each other is a great mindset to bring into any healthcare, health tech um, product um, development uh, organization of the future. Yeah, I mean, what a unique role for you to be able to kind of bridge both sides. Uh, but I also don't, it's fun. I, I don't <laughs> think a lot of people get asked to do that role either. Like yeah. we're not, that's not a, that's not like the most common role, but it, maybe it, it should be. That's right? kind of my point. Yeah. I think, I think we need to think carefully about how we build organizations um, in the health tech, digital health, even, you know, just traditional biotech uh, companies of the future and, you know, know, right. Or like realize that you are potentially going to have this communication challenge. If you bring a bunch of engineers who are amazing, but they spent all their time outside of healthcare and they're really amazing developers, but they don't, they might not know the clinical side. And you bring a whole bunch of people who've worked on the clinical and scientific side, but they don't understand how um, uh, a tech product gets developed, that you really might need somebody who, who's good at translating right? and bringing those together to be able to have you know, the most efficient and effective um, you know, product development experience. Yeah. And I think when you look at the, like from an engineering standpoint, having like you, obviously if you can have the best of whatever role you're trying to hire, that's ideal. Yeah. But sometimes you could have a really solid engineer. That's probably, you know, maybe not the best, but has the experience that is needed mm -hmm. that you plug that one in along with some of the outsiders and they right. start to mesh well. And it, it makes sense. Right. Um, especially yeah. when you're, when you're still trying to get product market fit, right? Like this is where that's essential. I think, uh, it, you know, once you, once you've really nailed it, I understand, right. Then you can become maybe a well-oiled machine and throw the absolute best people at a problem. But if you really want to build something new, uh, you need to be able to understand both sides. You need to be able to deeply understand the customer that you're speaking to. Um, and in healthcare, like, that requires a lot of time and experience to to really know. It's, it's hard to deeply embed yourself in healthcare in like a month's time, right? It's going to take a lifetime to kind of understand um, the nuances, especially here in, in the U.S. healthcare system. Um, and, I, you know, I think there's a there's a role for like really, really amazing product managers in, in doing this. Um, there's a role for maybe for, for absolutely for leadership. Um, that could be its chief commercial officer like me. It could be a chief product officer. It doesn't have to fit into one title or box, but I, I really think that there's, um, like you said, a, 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 a value to like paying attention to this need, identifying it early and setting yourself up for success. Whenever I run into someone, whether it's at a family event or something and it's someone that's, you know, younger trying to figure out what they want to do. 
I always tell them to see if there's interest in something around the product side to be a product manager that like, or, you know, to be on the UI UX design, those roles, I feel like have the opportunity to do anything. They could go into sales, like if they have those other skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about my experience in consulting and something I'm really grateful for, especially working for um, Trinity back in 2011 when I started, it was pretty boutique. It was like 70 people or something when I joined. And I felt like it gave you that um, flexibility to go a lot of different directions. But interestingly, in hindsight, reflecting back on it, it also would have been really great training for someone who wants to eventually become a PM, a really good PM. Because I spent so much time being challenged by the partners, by my managers to say, what is the customer asking for here? Like, Why did they bring us this project? What is the problem they're experiencing? And what are they expecting us to be able to tell them? Like, don't put something in a... PowerPoint slide, if it doesn't actually matter to like, like always stopping us and thinking back to like the need um, of the customer. And that's, I think what you have to do in it's really, really good PM or a really good product marketer or in my position, right? Trying to bridge these two worlds. I have to think really clearly about the areas of need and making sure you're not just developing something because it's cool, but you're developing something because it's going to matter to researchers, to clinicians or to patients. Well said. Thanks. Well, <laughs> Vivian, I've really enjoyed our conversation here today. I'm excited to have you come back on as a as a guest host and, and hopefully to do another episode like this as well. But thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Jared. I'm looking forward to it. 